The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. my friends and welcome to this another episode of the roto world football podcast my name is josh norris joined as always on this game by game preview show where we cover every single fantasy relevant player out there his name is john daigle that is hayden winks and as always he never leaves it's patrick darty gentlemen how are we doing not counting down the days uh we're all you know gentlemen it's week 15 the one thing that I ask when you first make a comment, your first comment of the day. So Pat, we're going to redo this. All right. Crank it up 20%. Okay. So show some excitement, some energy that we get to sit here in these homes and apartments and condos and wherever John Daigle is and never leave. Let's crank it up. Pat, how you doing? I'm great. Uh, happy to be alive. Daigle and Hayden, I don't know if you listened to the show I did with Pat and Denny, but we talked about how big of a poltergeist Pat and I were. Denny apparently was some boy scout who never broke any of the rules, which was shocking to me. Were hey, you- hold on. I actually was like that too. I didn't, I was a huge rules follower as a kid. I didn't but you found your gifts as was uh, I'm alluding to Pat. You oh, were on the show yesterday. So Hayden and Daigle, where do you fall on the spectrum? I wasn't peeking for gifts under the Christmas tree. I, that's, that's nonsense. What? That's nonsense. I Daigle's was there. unwrapping the present and studying how my mother wrapped it and wrapped it back up after I saw the gift. And then she discovered the system of putting the gift inside cardboard boxes, inside other boxes, even taking the gift out of their own box and putting it in another box before she put it in other boxes. She outworked me under the tree. I, I think Daigle is the worst among us because I never, like once it was wrapped, I never took anything off. Like that was sacred at that point. But pre-wrapping is when I would, uh, when I would investigate. Let's just, just go. I tore yeah, my N64 box. I tore a little corner and I would just stare at the colors and the cardboard and be like, I cannot believe this is going to be mine <laughs> in like 20 days or whatever. Just uh, because there's a goalie doesn't mean you can't score. That wrapping meant nothing to me. Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh, Gentlemen and ladies, everyone out there, this is our schedule for the next two weeks. We have a waiver show with John Daigle next Monday, which is very typical. The next Wednesday, ahead of Christmas, uh, the four of us will then combine for the game-by-game preview show. And the next week, ahead of week 17, we'll only have a game preview show on that Wednesday as well. Now, let's get off and kick off week 15 here with the 10-3 and three Buffalo Bills going to the Denver Broncos, a total of 50 in this game. Hayden, the Bills on the road are six-point favorites. Look, John Brown is not playing, but he's back to practicing. Uh, We know that Josh Allen has been fantastic this year. They're just throwing the football all over the park. Um, How confident are you of starting someone like Gabriel Davis in your fantasy football semifinals. Gabriel Davis might be a little bit of a stretch, but you got to remember the Broncos are missing their three starting corners, Bryce Callahan, Isang Bassey, and A.J. Bouye. And they play a lot of cover one man defense, so you're trotting out back in corners. you got to like Stephon Diggs' chances. you got to like Cole Beasley's chances. And I think that Gabriel Davis has done enough to warrant like wide receiver four consideration. I do think when with every team off of buys, I think Gabriel Davis might be a little bit of a stretch, but the Bills are projected for 28 points. That's the top seven on the week. So I'm looking for a reason to get my bills pass catchers into my lineups. Not, not the other way around. Even Kevin Tolliver and Duke Dawson, the fourth and fifth stringers for the Broncos are also, they haven't practiced yet this week. So it seemed just like another week where Josh Allen explodes as a top five quarterback. And there's absolutely nothing to stop him here. This, this total has been bet up from 48 to 50 since it initially opened as well. So it's full steam ahead with the bills offense. Yeah, I was just thinking, when it comes to, like, Gabriel Davis, like, we still talk about people like Jalen Rager and, like, try to make, like, wide receiver four or five cases for him, or, or Gabriel Davis probably has a stronger one. And see, in the fantasy semifinals, obviously, you're only going to do that in, like, a desperate situation. But, yeah, if you are in a desperate situation, I do view someone like Gabriel Davis as, like, uh, I mean, a guy who could flip a matchup on only three or four targets because one of them might be a 25-yard touchdown. So Hayden's right. He's like a stretch as someone you're like looking for reasons to get into your lineup. Yeah. But like, yeah, if you're in a desperate spot, he's someone you can put in with like uh, an actual path to upside. I-, I was shocked to read that Patrick Mahomes and Ben Roethlisberger are the only quarterbacks this season to throw for 300-plus yards against the Broncos this season. Meanwhile, Josh Allen has six of those 300-yard games. I'm not saying like, you know, the Broncos defense, especially with the injuries you guys just talked about, is worthy of fearing with that 300-yard number, especially what we've seen with Brian Dayball just abandon the run. I will also say, though, Hayden, this Broncos pass defense is very willing to give up receptions to running backs. And in the games that they played together, Devin Singletary leads Zach Moss and targets 34 to 16. This obviously isn't a weekly fantasy or season-long fantasy conundrum we might have, but um, Devin Singletary obviously is much more adept in the passing game right now than Zach Moss is. The issue is their snap counts just keep going back and forth. Last week, yeah. Zach Moss, uh, Devin Singletary was out-snapped by Zach Moss 30-44. to 44. The other week, it was the other way around. Both of them kind of had fumbling issues. Um, I think Zach Moss probably the better bet near the goal line, but you're still worrying about Josh Allen. And like you alluded to, the 
the Bills are third in neutral pass rate. So yeah. it's – I don't really want to start Devin Singletary or Zach Moss because, I mean, quite frankly, I really can't even – be very confident in ranking those two just in their own backfield right now. Yeah, and the Broncos are allowing a lot of rushing stats to quarterbacks, and we know Josh Allen has over 30 rushing yards in five games a season and six rushing touchdowns on the year. Daigle, let's quickly talk about K.J. Hamler because he was one of the breakout players you know, of, what, week 14? Um, I would say if you visualize those two plays, it was the Panthers sending pressure packages and KJ Hamler being isolated against Rasul Douglas one on one, and and the cornerback just having absolutely no chance because KJ Hamler is one of the fastest wide receivers in the NFL. You can't bank on that each week, right? So people shouldn't try to go back to the well here. Correct. Terrific player, but just circumstance, a matchup play only. Whereas we know who we can trust, and that's pretty much only Tim Patrick and Noah Fant since there's nowhere else to look to at tight end. Tim Patrick is the one who keeps sustaining and keeps chugging along here, despite the fact everyone continues playing Jerry Judy over him. But Judy is the one getting these inconsistent prayer yards that just don't go anywhere. Clearly banged up as well. You can tell when he's running routes, he's fighting through this ankle injury that he's been hounded by the past three or four games. So yeah, for me, it's pretty much Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, and that's about it, especially in, uh, let's say, you're going to play this two-game DFS slate on Saturday. That's kind of where I'm looking to. All right, let's go to the other game on Saturday, Pat. It's the Carolina Panthers against the Green Bay Packers. The Packers at home are favored by 8.5. We know they're 10-3 and three on the season. This total is 51.5 with a Packers, Pat, expected point total of 30, and it makes total sense, right? Uh, you have Aaron Rodgers, who's playing at the top of his game, most likely at an MVP level, against a secondary, against a linebacker group, against a defensive line group that if he's given time behind one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, or even if he's not, he can pick out these pinpoint passes. And Pat, the beneficiary of that last week was Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Again, I'm going to ask, is this a case where we can go back to the well? That is not because matchups don't really matter for Marquez. I mean, he is open for a 70 yard touchdown three times a game. And we know for a fact he won't convert two of them. It's just a matter of if he catches <laughs> that one of them. And probably 60 to 70% of the time he doesn't. Uh, he is against someone, if you're like in a 12 to 14 team league or on a two game DFS slate, or of course, I mean, there's slate breaking upside there because I mean, he, he gets those shots uh, once or twice a game. We know that. But yeah, someone in like a, season-long fantasy that you were still looking for reasons probably not to play Marquez Valdez-Scantling. But, you know, this Matt Aaron Rodgers has reached three touchdowns in 10 of 13 games this year. Like, that is just insane. And eight-and-a-half-point home favorites. Uh, really hoping, you know, that finally springs Aaron Jones, who is basically – speaking of 70-yard touchdowns, like since – like over the past month, he's been like one 77-yard touchdown, like not a whole lot else hopefully being such a massive home favorite uh, against the team. Yeah. That is really just like limping to the finish line. Finally gets Aaron Jones like back into that top five or six at running back. Sharp footballs. Dan Pizzuto wrote in his Monday morning, first and 10 column that everyone should read that the reason drew lock was successful because the Panthers defense has crumbled of late uh, since week nine, bottom four in yards per attempt through the air. And now they get Aaron Rodgers, who is going for an MVP uh, award on national television in the primetime game at night. So it's not going to be pretty. Having said that it does create a good environment because we're getting DJ Moore back for the Panthers in this game. Robbie Anderson still chugging along here we uh mike davis settling in for christian mccaffrey now clearly healthy i'm guessing after 16 of the team's 20 backfield touches following the bye week last week so i like the game environment for a lot of pieces in this one yeah hayden the panthers are only expected to score 21 and a half points in this game that seems a bit low it does seem a little bit low um but we 
everything's so condensed and especially if Curtis Samuel doesn't play for whatever reason, uh, you have to have a lot of confidence. All these guys, Mike Davis is averaging 16 PPR points uh, in his starts this year. So it's been kind of up and down, but I think like Daigle said, I think the bye week really came at the right time for him. I mean, this is a guy that has not been a featured back in his entire NFL career. So I, I think maybe you, being started like eight games in a row might it was probably starting to catch up to him. So I, I do think that he's refreshed. DJ Moore is going to be a nice rebound candidate. And same thing with Robbie Anderson. You you, you want to worry about Jair Alexander a little bit, but like you can't go overboard here because we know that the Panthers are going to pass the ball a lot when they're in, in catch up mode. So I think the volume is going to be there even if even if Jair Alexander is playing good coverage. The, the Lions yeah. weren't explosive, but it's not like Mike Pettin stopped them. Like they still allowed two rushing touchdowns to Swift and Carry on Johnson. So yeah, of course you like Mike Davis as the RB one this week. Yeah, I would say Teddy Bridgewater and Joe Brady might have had their worst game of the season last week. They just combined for nothing. They couldn't sustain anything. So, Pat, I bet they bounced back this week. Did you want to say anything before we move on? Teddy looked a little physically rejuvenated last week, too, I thought, mm. playing into the rejuvenation storyline. He had that nice run, right? That was last he did. week, right? What he did. He the- did. One of us called that on the show. Uh, but we let's move on. Let's move on to Sunday. Look, those were the two Saturday games, some primetime ones, and we'll have – all of them blurbed and covered on the site. Now over to Sunday. We'll stick in the NFC South. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers go on the road to the Atlanta Falcons, a total of 49 and a half in this game. Daigle, Tampa six-point favorites. We know they're eight and five on the season, and this truly might be one of the questions of the week. Who is going to get the backfield work for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? We know that Ronald Jones is dealing with a pinky uh, issue, injury, Surgery. I believe mm-hmm. didn't he also land on the list? He, did. he has the coronavirus, Josh. So he has landed on the list. And so just a few days after Leonard Fournette was a healthy scratch to play last week, and Ronald Jones produced outstanding work on massive volume. What do we do now, Daigle? And what should be a fantastic spot? They will try to play LaShawn McCoy. What my fear is here is that just as we saw the Bucks front seven swallow Minnesota's O-line last week, I fear the same thing is going to happen to what appears to be a Julio Jones's offense yet again, and probably for the rest of the year, honestly, uh, in front of Mount in front of Matt Ryan. So I would imagine game script entails that Fournette, even though he was healthy scratch last week, right back and handles a Jones like 78% of the team's running back carries gets all the work inside the five yard line. I know people will want to get cute thinking LaShawn McCoy is the play, but I think the game script is going to dictate that Fournette will get the ball here. uh, Even if we didn't see it coming. Pat, let me ask you this question. Um, I have this conundrum in one of my semifinals. Okay. I have been starting Deandre Washington in the flex spot because of volume. All right. Now, In my flex spot, Leonard Fournette is a possibility. Someone like Gabriel Davis, where we just mentioned. I mean, these are kind of the positions and the players I'm battling with. Are we trusting Leonard Fournette? I'm sure other people out there are as well, wondering if you can trust him in a spot like this. I mean, this is one of the questions of the week, but I think John broke it down perfectly. You know, he got the high praise Thursday. Byron Leftwich said Leonard Fournette has been here, quote unquote, all week putting in work. So, uh, you know. (laughs) The season has been saved. And I mean, it's so like, I think it was a healthy scratch last week just because they don't view Leonard Fournette as like a good complimentary player. Obviously it offers nothing on special teams. He's like still in theory, his strength is like getting in rhythm as a runner. And this wasn't a good use of their roster spots for him as a backup, but with Ronald Jones out, I mean, of Keyshawn Vaughn, LaShawn McCoy and Leonard Fournette, I'm still assuming they think Leonard Fournette's the only guy capable of like banging between the tackles for 60 minutes. So 
I do think Leonard Fournette, despite the healthy scratch, will immediately slot back in as that lead back with LaShawn mixing in with some change of pace, maybe even Keyshawn catching a few passes. But I got Leonard Fournette just like in the back end of the top, like the RB 28 to 32 range. And there could be a little more upside there. You, you never know. But I think uh, I'm enough to feel confident in a flex workload. Hayden, what about the trio wide receiver? Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans this week. So expected PPR points since Brown was signed. Mike Evans at 16.4, Chris Godwin at 10.9, and then Antonio Brown at 10.4. So it, it really is Mike Evans and then Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown in a tier below. Uh, I do like their matchups with the Falcons playing a lot of man coverage, and they just quite frankly don't have the the dudes back there to defend any of these guys in one-on-one coverage. So uh, I certainly think that you want to go to, to Chris Godwin as like a wide receiver three. I think Mike Evans is like a top 10 play this week and Antonio Brown, while he hasn't been doing too much, I do think there is a path for him to, to turn out like flex um, production in this matchup, just because the Falcons are a pass funnel defense. Daigle quickly on the other side with the Atlanta Falcons, it's only Calvin Ridley, right? We're at the point where we can't trust Todd Gurley. We're at the point where we can't trust Hayden Hurst. We, I mean, it certainly seems like Julio Jones is absolutely going to miss this game. And Matt Ryan has played like, I think, absolute garbage recently. Just the, just the fact that Raheem Morris said they have not discussed shutting down Julio means that they have discussed shutting down Julio. We only have three games left. The Falcons have nothing to play for. Uh, I can't imagine seeing them again. And what we've seen now in four full games without Jones, because we're excluding that week four Packers game where Calvin Ridley laid an egg because he was battling an ankle injury. Uh, Ridley's had a 31% target share and 52% of the team's air yards in those games. He continues keeping afloat. I don't know how, because to, to your point, Ryan has been bad without Julio yeah. this year. I read on Twitter from a fantasy analyst named Hayden Winks, Calvin Ridley leads the NFL in air yards over the past month. Um, so, hmm. but yeah, and on the season Ryan, too. Yeah, Matt Ryan could get benched for Russell Gage, though. Like That is going to be something to watch uh, this week for the Falcons. <laughs> Let's now go to the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Baltimore Ravens. A real barn burner here, ladies and gentlemen. 47.5 total. The Ravens at home, 13-point favorites. They are 8-5 and five on the year after that victory. Oh, and just that wonderful, wonderful game against the Cleveland Browns. Daigle, I'm going to turn right back to you. Let's stick with that running back question. J.K. Dobbins, once again, saw the majority of running back snaps in that contest. Strong start in the semis, question mark? Yes, but Gus Edwards will also be involved. You you would think this is the type of game where they just try to get out healthy. They just lean on the running backs for a 10 14 point win and just call it quits and keep surging towards the playoffs. We saw Mark Ingram play a single snap and he apparently wasn't upset about it either. Said, yeah, I totally understand. No worries. Uh, Whereas Edwards got the ball inside the 10 yard line and just looked explosive. He looked so good despite the fact that's all he can do is run forward. But him and Dobbins as a tandem, as we've said all year long, as we've seen occasionally, including last week can absolutely survive as two top 24 backs. As long as Ingram's out the picture and if it continues like last week, and I'd imagine it does, Ingram is out the picture, and Edwards and Dobbins are here to stick around. Yeah, you know, against the defense that just gave up one of the biggest rushing efforts of the whole season to Derrick Henry. I mean, I collapsed. Right. We talk about, like, collapsed defense. The Jaguars are collapsed at every single level of the defense. Like, they are packed in on the season. J.K. Dobbins, he's reached 11 carries in three straight appearances. You would hope – I think 15 is a very sensible over-under for him this week. I think we can get him higher than 11 more into the teens and we you know he's just does such good work even on those limited carries that 
He's top 20. And Gus Edwards, yeah, I agree with John. It's like the RB 24 to 30 range. Pat, let me ask you this. Can you trust Lamar Jackson in this spot? Can is can he get there with the rushing? Because we know Marquise Brown is on the COVID list. We know Miles Boykin is there with him. Mark Andrews had a nice game, I would say, against the Browns. But I don't think we can bank on passing efforts anymore, despite this team he's facing up against with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Can he just get there and rushing alone? I think so. He's been double-digit carries like six or seven games in a row at this point. I mean, over 50 or 60 yards rushing almost every week again for the past five or six weeks. Has he been the the – Back-to-back QB1. I don't think he's been the back-to-back QB1, but I mean, he has looked fully healthy. And, you know, he's over uh, whatever that was Monday night. Uh, he's really <laughs> protesting that it was cramps. Uh, I guess we had to take the man at his word. Uh, I do think he can get there. It, it's such a – what's the spread at now? 14? I mean, I guess maybe that worries you. Because like John said, I think this would be a game where the Ravens attempt like 45 rushes. And it would stand to reason they want to not expose Lamar Jackson injury. But – it just seems like he can't help but get like 13 carries for 60 yards, right? I now. do hope Monday was a turning point, honestly, for the Ravens offense, that now we see them hit their stride again and we get some good AFC playoff matchups. Yeah, Pat, some numbers to back you up. Since Ronnie Stanley went down, these are the number of carries that Lamar Jackson has in games. 16, 13, 11, 13, 13, 9. Oh. And Lamar has over 50 rushing yards in 10 of 12 games uh, this season. Now, Hayden, I just asked that question. Jacksonville, though, has allowed a 100-yard wide receiver in nine straight games. I'm not putting my money on any of these. I mean, unless you want to talk about Des Bryant here. Uh, but could Mark Andrews have a solid one? Yeah, I don't see why not. He's he's due for some some really big games, and he was really struggling early on. But I, I do think that the Ravens offense looks much better now. I think Lamar Jackson's probably playing a little lighter on his toes. I don't know why that happened, especially in the second half of last week's game. So I do think that there's just a, a lot to like about J.K. Dobbins, Mark Andrews, and Lamar Jackson. Outside of that, a little bit of Gus Edwards, that's it. Quickly, Pat, on the other side in Jacksonville, you did a nice job on the recap show uh, talking about how some you know yards and production was taken away from James Robinson. We're going back there this week, aren't we? Despite, you know, I think the, the Jaguars expected to score, what, just 17 points this week. Yeah, he lost 44 yards and a touchdown. And I can't remember what – he had like still like 70 or 80 yards from scrimmage, and it was his lowest total in like seven weeks. And, again, the Jag they don't care if they're losing 21 nothing in the second quarter. They're still shoveling touches uh, to James Robinson. So you, I, I kept him in the top ten this week. Okay. Let's now move on to the San Francisco 49ers and Dallas Cowboys. The 49ers on the road – well, they're on the road forever, for eternity now. Uh, but Daigle, uh, they are three-point favorites here. A total of just 45. When I saw that, Daigle, I kind of questioned and wondered if I liked the over in this matchup. Did you also text your guy on Monday thinking it was too low? (laughs) Uh, I mean, Kyle Shanahan scheming offense against Mike Nolan is kind of all you need to know about this matchup. The Cowboys defense, you look up and you saw seven points against the Bengals, but peeked behind the curtain, and they hadn't eclipsed 200 yards of offense, the Bengals, without Joe Burrow this year. They actually had 301 against the Cowboys quietly. They just coughed up three fumbles, which hints the seven points. But now we get Jeff Wilson, maybe Raheem Mostert coming to this game with Brandon Ayuk, who Hayden will tell you about more because uh, he cited all the stats in his fantasy uses model. Against this defense, it's going to be a mess. 49ers team total is too low, and this total is too low. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk's averaging 22.6 expected PPR points in his last four games, and that includes some of those with Debo Samuel. When I when I watched him, uh, 
a lot of scheme touches with Debo Samuel out of out of the lineup last week. But you're also seeing a receiver that that's been winning downfield. So he's kind of the full package already. And obviously the Cowboys don't have any corners to slow him down. So um, even if we're not fully like uh, willing to watch Nick Mullins, like you said, every single Sunday, you just refresh and you're going to see 20 PPR points waiting for you. Fantasy players did pretty well if they drafted all these rookie wide receivers minus Jalen Rager and Henry Ruggs this season. <laughs> I mean, you hit the jackpot if you did that, right, Pat? Did yeah. I say we talked about Henry Ruggs the least too, so that was good for us. Uh, <laughs> I don't. That was that felt like more of a shot than I wanted it to be. It's not, uh, Pat, look, I can take it. It's I not can take it. Pat. Honestly, after this week, I'm indestructible. I'm like on <laughs> fire already, and just walking through the door, and and we can just continue. Uh, look, we have to talk about Dallas. I mean, I feel like. With San Francisco, it's Brandon Ayuk. It's what Raheem Mostert, if he plays, and you're feeling good about those situations because Dallas has absolutely struggled. And we always talk about it. I know LVE's back and Jalen Smith has a big money, but Kyle Shanahan is just going to put those linebackers in the blender yep. all freaking afternoon. Pat, Dallas side. Um, we talked about it on the worst fantasy football roster imaginable, the midweek show with Denny that Ezekiel Elliott landed on that list. Um, but people might have him playing him this week. And along with C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Mark Cooper, what's your advice here? Yeah, I don't quite know what to do with Zeke because what he outtouched Tony Pollard only fourteen to thirteen. Nine of Pollard's touches were in the first three quarters, where the Cowboys were never up by more than two touchdowns. So, I mean, to me, that looks like the birth of a timeshare, which would make a ton of sense. You know, just try to keep Zeke healthy heading into the off season of this lost season. Finally, give Tony Pollard this like overdue extended cameo, but. I mean, this is the Dallas Cowboys, and we know about their obsession with feeding Zeke. Maybe he was just dealing something with Endgame last week we don't know about. And it's probably a little presumptuous to say this is going to be a timeshare, but, I mean, that was concerning enough. that So Zeke, you know, had been kind of cool in his heels, like the RB 16 to 18 range. I think you definitely have to get it down to more like the 23-24, like last gasp RB2 after that because, yeah, I mean, just concerning usage, terrible offense, uh, 49ers defense is kind of whatever right now, but yeah, you have to downgrade Zeke after last week. Hayden, I'm always just so concerned. I know they don't have Nick Bosa. I know they don't have a few other names, but this 49ers pass rush is still absolutely relevant. And we know how bad the Cowboys offensive line is. That could just be one of the bigger mismatches of the week. Yeah. The 49ers run defense is fifth in EPA. And I mean, the, the Cowboys are still missing so many linemen, if Raheem Mostert's out, I would rather start Jeffrey Wilson over Zeke Elliott in this okay. game and season-long game. I mean, Jeff Wilson had 14 expected PPR points last week, and we know what this rushing offense could do. So if Raheem Mostert is out, I think that Jeff Wilson slides into like the back half of like the uh, teens, like maybe like RB18, RB19, somewhere around there, and I would start him over Zeke Elliott. I assume Moster was out when we did rankings this week, and I have Wilson as the RB17 overall. It's just a smash spot for the 49ers offense and and a great bounce-back spot as well, just in case people thought the Cowboys, for whatever reason, bounced back against uh, Ryan Finley. Let's now go to the Houston Texans and Indianapolis Colts. Total of 51 in this game in the 9-4 and Colts. John Daigle, our 7.5-point favorites. We know Deshaun Watson is playing well. We know Deshaun Watson is still uh, dealing with injuries and suspensions and all that kind of stuff. But he's making Chad Hansen relevant each week. Hopefully he gets Brandon Cooks back this week. Then these two teams just face off each other a couple weeks ago. So, week 13. yeah. So, Daigle, what's your view on any of the random names that the Texans put out there on the field against this good Colts defense that DeForest Buckner is back and playing well? 
In this same matchup two weeks ago, Deshaun Watson had 340 yards. Nothing stops this train because he's just that good. Hasn't had Fuller for two games now. Didn't have Brandon Cooks last week. And yet in these two games, he's had 11 total carries. He's completed 70% of his passes. And his box score would have looked better against the Bears last week had Jordan Aikens not, quote unquote, lost the ball in the sun. So literally, outside of Aikens' hands, nothing has stopped Watson. And I can't imagine it stopping here. Kiki QT now, four career games versus the Colts. And he's gone over 100 yards in three of them, including the last time he played them two weeks ago. And Chad Hansen, they want to be Will Fuller. He's not Will Fuller, but they're plopping him on the outside, telling him to run the same routes. Um, He's only moved to the slot on 24 of 129 snaps in these past two weeks. So he is a good play, whether Cooks comes back or not. It's still Cooks, of course, if he returns, but that is yet to be determined. Big question of the week, Pat. Just how high do you have Jonathan Taylor ranked? Uh, very high. Uh, does anyone else want to take the lead on that RB four? Uh, which you know is kind of like famous, like because I believe this did happen earlier in the season too, like several times. Like John Taylor's a top five back this week, guys. Uh, you know, career high 135 yards two weeks ago. New career high 165 yards last week. Uh, we know this is just a collapse. We're talking about collapse defenses. It's a theme. Texans, one of the very worst in the league, one of the very worst against the run. Jonathan Taylor, kind of just checking all the boxes, talking about being more important, more comfortable out of the shotgun formation, uh, breaking more tackles. You know, the team is talking about his increased confidence. All that is manifesting itself in the box scores and the eye test. He just looks ready. Now, Jordan Wilkins seems like he's been kind of banged up for a while. This seems like the stars are aligning for a team. You know, this is probably going to the playoffs, but you know, just they want to nail it down. They're not going to take any chances. And yeah, again, this against this defense, uh, basically zero John Taylor fear. Yeah, and Hayden, it's basically the same matchup that they faced last week against the Raiders, right? Where you can create lanes that seven Jonathan Taylors can fit through. You give him the second level even the third level, and then Jonathan Taylor, because he's a supreme athlete, is the type that can convert good gains into fantastic gains. And I believe this Texans defense was the one that gave up an 80-yard run to David Montgomery last week. So we're going to get an 85-yard run from Jonathan Taylor this week. Yeah, at least. If David Montgomery's run for 80, yeah. (laughs) He can run for like 115. He can make that happen. But the other person we need to talk about is T.Y. Hilton. And the reason why we really have to talk about him this week, of course, he has like insane splits against the Texans. But I think this week in particular, even if you're not even looking at those historical splits that are just pretty much noise, the Texans play cover three. Their top corner is out and their free safety. Their starting free safety just went on IR as well. They have nobody back there that can match the speed of T.Y. Hilton. And to me, he looks maybe a half of a step slower, but not nothing too crazy. He looks rejuvenated. He's up to like wide receiver 32 in fantasy usage. I'll take the over on that this week. I think I have him like as an upside wide receiver, wide receiver three, maybe even getting closer to that wide receiver two territory, just because the matchup's insane. The team total is insane. He looks better. And Phillip Rivers, I mean, really quietly, he's like top five, top six in passing EPA for drop back. And they're just really clicking at the right time. I think the Colts might be the most underrated team in the entire league. Rivers continues to be one of the safest streamers every single week. He can't break into the top 12, really, because he doesn't have the rushing equity when all these newcomers like Jalen Hurts are coming around and emerging into the top 10. But Rivers is a safe floor play if you're looking to stream. Having said that, me, who has probably the biggest bias on the show against T.Y. Hilton, snuck him to the top 20 this week because it's that good of a matchup. Three straight games with at least 80 yards and a touchdown. And I don't know what's happened in that span, but 82% of his targets have been charted as catchable, the highest rate on the team by pro football focus. So something clicked. 
he got healthy. I don't know, but either way, he's a tremendous play this week. Jonathan Taylor talked about how it took some time for this offense to get glued together. And there's a lot, they added a lot of pieces to this offense, including Phillip Rivers. And Jonathan Taylor himself said that he was struggling running from shotgun because he never did that at Wisconsin. That was just strict power running from under center. So I think what we've seen is over like the last two weeks or like two months, uh, the team's getting healthier and all of these schemes are kind of coming in and uh, really starting to click. And it's not just what they had at the beginning of the year because then they lost things in the middle of the year. You know, Paris Campbell is going to be a major feature piece in this offense. And when he went, goes down, then you have to change and alter how you go and game plan and everything like that. So I totally absolutely buy that. All right. Let's now go to the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. They go a small total of just 41 and a half in this game. We know the Dolphins are eight and five and they're one and a half point favorites here. But let's rewind to the good old days. Week one. Week one, this is when we had just such a positive feeling about Cam Newton and this New England Patriots offense because against these Miami Dolphins in that same matchup, Cam Newton had 15 carries, 75 yards, and two touchdowns. Should we expect something similar here? No. I am very concerned because it seems the more they even talk behind the scenes that we could get Stidham. And I don't think it's all Cam Newton's fault. I think uh, he's worn out. I think uh, th- he has no playmakers really to throw to, even though that was the excuse for Brady last year as well. Um, but right now, he's the player you shouldn't trust in the fantasy playoffs because it does seem on the verge of calling it quits on the year and just having him go on to his next team this offseason. And again, I don't blame him for that. But yeah, I- I'm not trusting him or this offense this week. Pat, don't you think that that's their best avenue of success? Because putting Jarrett Stidham in there to face these Miami Dolphins corners and asking him to throw around the park, what are you asking? Like, what are you setting yourself up for? It's absolute failure. And we talked about it at multiple times this season that there has to be some manufactured touches, some creativity, or it's just straight ahead running with Damon Harris and Cam Newton, who are these absolute hammers. And that's their best path to success here. Yeah, it's like, who are you going to manufacture touches for? Like, yeah. Nikhil, Harry, and the problem, I mean, Cam Newton, I agree, John, he just looks tired. I mean, his arm is, like, physically shot, basically. And, uh, I mean, the running, he still seems fine. They've kind of dialed off the running even. Maybe he's dealing with some other physical issues. Like, I mean, I agree that you should, if I were Bill Belichick, I'd want, like, set the over-under at 10 pass attempts and then, like, 40 rush attempts. And, like, they're someone who, like, they should really just go all Twitter contrarian and establish the run at all costs because – there's just nothing here for this passing game. There's the, the quarterback's arm is shot and there's no one capable of creating instant offense, except for maybe like James white. And even, but they have like, this seems to have no connection with Cam Newton and it's just a fundamentally broken passing game. I, I think that there's just such a margin of error, small one for the Patriots passing offense right now because of separation and pass attempts and all that kind of stuff. So if, if Cam misses on like, four to five throws and it makes him look just way worse than yeah I'm not saying he's good but I mean it's it's not you know he's not getting 50 attempts and nor should he but yeah go ahead Pat it's true like they actually last week had some drives like bog it might have been a different narrative last week they had a few drives like bogged down in the red zone and it could have gone a different way but yeah the, the say the margin for error like you said so thin yeah. like if they blow one or two of those chances it's just over and really, it wasn't even the offense last week. The defense, the Rams just pushed them around all over the field. And once you are once you go three and out twice in the first quarter and the Rams just keep on churning down the field, you're done. Like, that was the game. Yeah. 
And not having Isaiah Wynn at left tackle was a major issue. We talked about that on the show. Hayden, on the other side, this Miami Dolphins running back situation is still a discussion because we've had DeAndre Washington see a lot of backfield touches over the last couple weeks. But now I think what Salvin Ahmed might be returning in this game. What's the news and notes here? Well, I honestly have no idea. This is just a backfield. <laughs> you, you wait till Friday. You see who's cleared, who's dropped from whatever list that they're all on. And then you hope Miles Gaskin is the one that's sitting there because he's been the best. When Miles Gaskin is ready, that's when they go full bell cow roll with Miles Gaskin. But I, when I looked at, uh, I have a PPR points over expected, and all of these running backs, doesn't matter which one, all of them are like the bottom. It's like Zeke Elliott, and it's like Miles Gaskin, DeAndre Washington as the worst backs uh, in terms of efficiency this year. So, you have to hope that Miles Gaskin gets cleared, but yeah, who knows? We're just yeah, fully waiting for more information because Matt Breida has declared himself 100% healthy, but they don't have to update Miles Gaskin's status because he's on the COVID list, so we don't know. And Salvin Ahmed's just getting limited tags, so we just have no idea right now. The player I'm waiting to hear about is Lynn Bowden because Devontae Parker and Jasicki have been limited at practice. We don't know if they're going to play. And Bowden, of course, led the team in routes run last week with 51, had nine targets, matched Mac Hollins, and then also got thrown under center for quarterback for a couple plays. More importantly, he's eligible at running back on Yahoo and ESPN. So if all these guys are out and you can get Lynn Bowden as your running back, honestly, if they're out, like he's a better play than Zeke at that position. Because we know targets are more important than carries. And if he's going to get 9 to 12 carries, again, I don't know how this offense scores 14 points. I don't know how either offense scores 14 points this game. But the targets are going to be there. I've enjoyed people going back and rewatching that tour performance last week. And we talked about in the recap show that it looks a lot better than what the stats might indicate because he was making throws in that first half that his wide receivers were not coming down with. And they were asking him to do a lot more. They were putting a lot in his plate. Um, we've joked about this Patriots defense, but only Deshaun Watson has thrown for 300 plus yards against the New England Patriots this year. And with, the lack of weapons, like who has worse wide receivers in this game is going to be a big question mark and who can create offense. And that's why it is the lowest total of the week of 41 and a half. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's move on. The Chicago Bears, Minnesota Vikings, both teams are 6-7. and seven. The Vikings at home are three-point favorites in a total of 47. Pat, I mean, David Montgomery. David Montgomery. It's here. We love it. Week 15. He's important. How good can he be against a Mike Zimmer-led Minnesota Vikings defense? Yeah, thankfully for him, still a very banged up Vikings defense. And so, I mean, the past three weeks have been like as soft as the schedule can get for running backs. But in the past, that wouldn't have really mattered for David Montgomery. That wouldn't have meant that he smashed. But he had the three biggest fantasy outputs of his entire career. You know, has been quite literally on like winning leagues right now. And this matchup is nowhere near like as soft as those past three. But I mean, does, do any of us view the Vikings as a stay away matchup at this point? I mean, no. David Montgomery still like it's weird because he's only some of those games he only got like ten or eleven carries and was still returning this massive value. So I guess maybe that's like the one red flag. But I I see nothing to be concerned about. I see more to be concerned about for Mitchell Trubisky. 
who has had just very little career success against Mike Zimmer. I think he has two touchdowns in five games against Mike Zimmer. Um, but yeah, I mean, David Montgomery, it still does not feel natural, but I think all of us are probably in agreement that he is in the top 12 at the very least. I mean, he's averaging 17.6 PPR points without Tariq Cohen this year. I mean, that's that's RB1 numbers, and it, the workload's only getting bigger, it seems like. And like you said, sometimes that is 11 carries, but that also is like seven targets. So, I mean, he's got the... I mean, the one of the best workloads in all of fantasy right now. The only the only concern with this game in general is 26 in neutral pace, 28 in neutral offensive pace. So it's going to be a slow game. Um, but you know to start here. There's like five players that are absolute studs, and then the rest of them are just kind of holding on for dear lives. Well, let me talk about and ask about Dago, one of those players I need to hold on for my dear life to play, and that might be Cole Komet because these are the tight ends against the Minnesota Vikings. Um you have Mo Alley Cox, five catches, 111 yards. Johnu Smith, five catches, 61 yards. Hayden Hurst, four catches, 57 yards, and a score. Robert Tunyon, five catches. I can keep going down this list, like 79 yards for him, right? Can Cole Komet fit on this list after this game? I would think so. I was hoping you talk a little bit more because I wanted to see where I have him ranked. And I have him ranked at uh, 16. I'm looking yeah, at yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think he's a good player as i wrote in the waiver wire column you pick up with back-to-back games of seven targets i know it was jimmy graham who spiked the touchdown but still Komet was has run more routes than jimmy graham for three games in a row now so of course i'm more than willing to start him in a terrific spot and although we do have the pace notes that hayden mentioned going against us in this game i still like the total going over as well uh, the Bears defense, remember, 34 and 41 points allowed to the Packers and Lions before they ran into the Texans and Jordan Akins ruined the box score yet again. And so I think the I think the Vikings can answer as well against the Bears. Um, yeah, so I like the total. I like both sides a lot. I like it. Pat, anything to say about the Vikings offense, Kirk Cousins to Adam Thielen to Justin Jefferson and hanging the ball off to Dalvin Cook? I mean, Dalvin Cook, I mean, he was all volume, all like filler, no killer against the Bears last time, but he got 96 yards, still on over 30 touches. And Justin Jefferson, I think, had eight catches for 135 yards. So the Bears defense, despite like they're kind of another defense, like really kind of limping into the finale of the season, they're still not like someone you like, like you view as like a smash spot, but they're someone we've already seen these players uh, get their numbers against and very little fear uh, for the fantasy semifinals. Hey, I think it's important that Justin Jefferson has led Adam Thielen in targets in three of their last four games together because we always view that Adam Thielen is this target hog and target monster. But I would much rather be throwing those darts on over to Justin Jefferson. Yeah, this includes the games that Adam Thielen missed or the, the game that Adam Thielen missed. Uh, Justin Jefferson's wide receiver 13 and Adam Thielen's wide receiver 19 in fantasy usage over the last month. Uh, you're seeing the Vikings, their neutral pass rates kind of ticked up towards like more of the middle of the pack. Um, I'm not sure if that was like a something they're trying to limit Dalvin Cook's usage just because he's been going crazy over the last two months. But yeah, I mean, yeah, all th- you, you're starting all three of these guys. All right. We've got the Detroit Lions and the Tennessee Titans. Total of 51 and a half in this game. Titans expect to win. Well, I should say the spread is 11. And they are nine and four on the season. Daigle, no matter what, no matter the salary, you have to put Derrick Henry in your lineups this week, right? Chase Daniel, most likely under center, probably no Frank Ragnow at center ahead of him. And then, of course, no Kenny Galladay, who hasn't practiced now since the day before Thanksgiving when he was downgraded. It looks like it's going to be an absolute disaster. 
happen for the game script. The same thing we saw last week where the Titans don't even need to throw the ball and they'll just continue leaning on Henry. It's amazing, actually, he hasn't popped up on the injury report at any point. Uh, as other running backs continue even getting days off, Henry doesn't need rest at all. It's to Hember, just start him. It's very easy. They're, they're trying to get him to 2,000 yards rushing, too. He needs to average 156. They might, you know, they want to make up as much of that yardage they can the next two weeks. They don't have to play him a ton in week 17. Like, it is going to be open season. What about the other feature pieces, Pat, A.J. Brown? I mean, we know the offense. It's efficiency from Ryan Tannehill. It's hand the ball off to Derrick Henry once you have the lead, and it's A.J. Brown relying on him for one or two special plays. But, Pat, and we probably haven't started him enough, Corey Davis has been startable this season. Can you trust him here in week 15? It's weird because they were kind of at a production standstill, Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, to like the past two weeks, whereas A.J. Brown looked like it was going to soar past 10 targets for the first time last week, and then the Titans really just took the air out of the ball in the second half. And A.J. Brown was like a huge, the biggest loser in that regard for the Titans. And I don't know. I mean, it's weird because, yeah, we try to like – we try to make it seem like there's so much distance between AJ Brown and Corey Davis. And there really hasn't been in terms of usage, but we still, AJ Brown is the guy who can, you know, on five or six targets produce a wide receiver one day, whereas that's probably just not going to happen for Corey Davis. And maybe it was overreacting to one down game, but just seeing the way the Titans approach the second half last week and how that sets up for them to do so easily again against the lions. I did. I Corey Davis has a kind of like a, higher end wide receiver three, maybe more mid range, but he was somebody I frankly couldn't decide what to do with in the ranks. Hayden lion side. If it is chase Daniel, what is the trickle down here to Marvin Jones, to Deandre Swift, TJ Hawkinson? Go ahead. I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, Marvin Jones is averaging 147 air yards over the last month. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. That's second most in the NFL and TJ Hawkinson. I don't know who, who you'd bench. TJ Hawkinson for at, at tight end either. So, I mean, it's those two guys and DeAndre Swift is getting like all the workload. I mean, uh, Marvin Jones is probably more of a flex guy. I mean, I mean, he's getting like wide receiver two usage. So like that's already discounting that because you know they're going to be playing from behind. The Titans defense is garbage. So uh, I'm sucking like flex territory for Marvin Jones. Yeah, you literally have no choice but to play TJ Hawkinson. Do we think DeAndre Swift will get used in negative game script? Like will he be the pass catching back or will they just take him off the field to preserve him? Because that's what's going to get out of hand. And we know it's going to get out of hand. Yeah. I I think it's a question and answer, Pat. We just have no idea. Yeah, it's weird to switch because, like, as feared, his usage was limited last week. But, like, as hoped, he escaped uh, without further injury, showed some juice. So he's like a – DeAndre Swift is, frankly, one of the biggest wild cards there is for the fantasy signifiers. We just don't quite know what his usage is going to be. And I know some people have questions about Tannehill, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Taysom Hill. Um, The matchup is so good for the Titans – that I actually think you prioritize your Taysom and Hurts over Tannehill because they're just not going to need him. Like he's there's no way he gets a 300 yard bonus here at all. Um, it's just going to be all Derrick Henry. Let's close out this one o'clock window with the Seattle Seahawks and the Washington Football Team. Uh, Seattle on the road. We know they're nine and four, and they're five and a half point favorites here with a total of 44 and a half. Hayden, when I looked at this, what stood out to me was this Washington defense. We know that they can attack the passer. We know how much chaos they caused last week. But quarterback rushing has been very successful against them. Kyler Murray, eight carries, 67 yards, two touchdowns. Lamar Jackson, seven carries, 53 yards, and a score. Even Daniel Jones, seven carries, 74 yards. Could we see a rejuvenated, young, youthful, mobile 
Russell Wilson against Washington, or could our fears also happen where the Seattle offensive line is just absolutely overwhelmed? Yeah, I feel like those rushing stats might be a little noisy. There's nothing about Washington's defense. I mean, they play a lot of zone coverage and they have insane uh, front seven. So I, I'm not sure what, why we would think that that is like stable rushing projection for, for Russell Wilson. But I mean, he, he's still a quarterback one, even if he's not running the ball around. I mean, he, he's not like the elite smash quarterback that he was earlier on, on in the season, just because those were unsustainable pass, passing rates. Um, but yeah, I mean, you start DK Metcalf, you start Chris Carson, you start Russell Wilson, the, the guy that, I mean, people are struggling to start right now is Tyler Lockett. And I get it. He's just been, he, he's averaging 11.1 expected fantasy points since that huge game. And, and Rotopad listed the numbers. It's like a lot of like wide receiver 55s, wide receiver 62s since that game. So you, you play him for the upside, but he's become like one of the highest volatile players in all of fantasy right now. Yeah, he's the wide receiver of 45 uh, by average points over the past five weeks. And I, yeah, I mean, we're supposed to feel like, you know, we have like a reason for everything. I, Tyler Lockett, I just, I don't know what to do with Tyler Lockett anymore. Like, I know he's a very good player. I have a hard time believing he's going to keep producing as like a wide receiver four, but he's someone I've kind of gradually, I have faded out of the wide receiver two rankings. Even if by the end of the season, we know he'll finish as a top 24 receiver. I just, I just frankly do not know what to do there anymore. And pay no mind to the backfield. I understand touches and snaps were split, but Carson did out-touch Carlos Hyde uh, 12-5, to I believe, in the first half. Um, And then, of course, in third quarter, at the end, all the starters got benched, including Carson, and Hyde ran the rest of the way. So this is still Chris Carson's backfield. You can trust him in what should be a layup win for Seattle, honestly. I was shocked to read this, that Aaron Chats, obviously, of Football Outsiders, that Washington ranks dead last in DVOA against number one wide receivers on the opposing team. So this could be a huge, huge spot for uh, for DK Metcalf. Again, despite probably one of the more overpowering mismatches of Washington's defensive line against Seattle's offensive line. Um, anything quickly, Hayden, on Washington's offense? I mean, I hate to, I ask every single week and I, you know, this is my job. I sit here and I'm obligated to ask these questions for people out there. JD McKissick. Yeah. You know, Antonio Gibson's not there and they're, you know, six point underdogs in this game. JD McKissick starting lineup. Yes or no. Alex Smith. It seems like he's not going to play. He didn't practice on Thursday, I believe. So, I don't know. I mean, Alex Smith or uh, JD McKissick was kind of Alex Smith boy and not Dwayne Haskins. So good point. I don't know. I mean, it's he's like at best like a RB three in PPR leagues. I, I don't want to play JD McKissick. Yeah, Terry McLaurin is the one that everyone's fretting over because he's practically disappeared. Having said that, it is a good matchup. Uh, I don't believe Seattle's defense has improved whatsoever. I just think they've played Jared Goff, a game that Kyler Murray got injured during, Colt McCoy, uh, Carson Wentz, and Sam Darnold the past five games. That doesn't improve defense. That means you got uh, gifted the softest of matchups. The issue is it's another soft matchup against Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins, of course, targeted – Terry McLaurin at a team high rate last year, but he still averaged only 8.3 fantasy points per game with Haskins because those targets were bad. So McLaurin's going to get a lot of targets in a good matchup with a sell over his head, probably. So I rank them more as a wide receiver three, even though we know his talent is wide receiver one worthy. Before we move to the four o'clock games, I do want to say if you all play NBA 
fantasy, especially season long. The gentlemen over at the NBA section conducted their own mock draft, their own live draft. You can go and find that at rotorworld.com slash hoops mock. It was very similar to ours. One host, three rotating guests that they change over every three rounds. I'm sure it has very actionable information with very, very noteworthy guests. So again, going over to rotorworld.com slash hoops mock. All right, Pat, turning to you. With this Philadelphia Eagles at the Arizona Cardinals matchup, a total of 49 and a half. Cardinals at home are six-point favorites. We know they're in the playoff hunt at seven and six. But I actually want to ask about the opposing quarterback, the one who put up a lot of rushing points, I think, on 12 or 13 carries last week, Pat, and that is Jalen Hurts. He got all the way up to 20 fantasy points last week. We talked about him earlier in the week, but where are you with Jalen Hurts and landing on him in your rankings? Yeah, he finished as the QB 11 last week with only 167 yards passing because of his Taysom Lamar power on the ground where his first start, he turns it in to a 100-yard day against a Saints defense that had not allowed a 100-yard rusher in 55 games. And Jalen Hurts starts one game, and both he and Miles Sanders got over 100 yards. And, you know, the Cardinals defense, it seems like uh, just all year, like a surprisingly feisty and decent defense, but – this is not as stiff of a test as the Saints were. And Jalen Hurts, when, when the passing floor is so low, I feel like, after, especially after only one start, you can't quite just jam him into the top 10. But he is definitely a QB1 adjacent, where I've kind of been fluctuating between like the QB12 to 14 range. And because, I mean, the running's not going to go away. He's a legit dual threat. As a passer, he was at least quick and decisive. You know, we're not going to get a ton of attempts, but like he's playing the game like a gear faster than Carson Wentz. And we know that the rushing was obviously not a fluke and uh, I, I feel pretty comfortable putting him in that QB one mix. And like, if, if you're, it's a weird week. Like do you start Phillip rivers? Do you start Jalen Hurts? It's just like a strange mm-hmm. argument wise people, but he is in the top four team. It's also just the overall game environment. You mentioned Kyler healthy having his second most carries last week, which was not so coincidentally a week. He wasn't on the injury report whatsoever in the last four games. And then of course, Jalen hurts who had the second most carries of any quarterback since 1950 in their first career start. Um, Arizona has been in this situation before as well. Seven carries allowed to Tua, seven allowed to Josh Allen, 10 to Russ and nine to cam all in the last six games. So the rushing floor, the health of everyone excluding the health of Philly's defense who may have to stop a FedEx truck glittering Christmas gifts and pull them out and play corner really quick for them. Um, I love the over in this game. I love both offenses here. Yeah. Miles Sanders had an awesome week 14. Um, We know he's now getting more snaps. It makes sense with a running quarterback like Jalen hurts and just the addition of Jalen hurts and how that changes the scope of a defense um, should create more rushing lanes and maybe hopefully does that against the Cardinals. Uh, Hayden, we've also been asking Cliff Kingsbury to change things up. I mean, I think all four of us went on a monologue last week combined for one, at least. It was very Shakespearean where we asked him what he's doing here. Well, he went out in week 14 and showed some new things. Uh, What do you expect for this Arizona offense against Philly's defense, which, as Daigle mentioned, is missing a few pieces, but did a very good job last week against Taysom Hill? Yeah, the Eagles are typically a man defense, and they switched and they played zone defense against Taysom Hill, which was proved to be the right decision because Taysom Hill is, just can't read defenses right now. And I, I wonder if they're going to do the same thing because, I mean, it seems like if you want to stop Kyler Murray from running around, I wouldn't want to be playing man defense. So I do wonder if they're going to play more zone coverage, and you're just going to see a lot of checkdowns to DeAndre Hopkins again, and you're just hoping if you are – 
thinking about starting Christian Kirk that he comes down there with the deep ball because that's all he's doing. I mean, we know Kenyon Drake is getting more involved because Kyler Murray isn't rushing as much for a lot of reasons we've laid out on this podcast before. And DeAndre Hopkins is going to roast these corners. So, I mean, yeah. this offense seems pretty easy. Um, while we have like big picture issues with the offense that they need to figure out over the off season. I think for fantasy, we know where to, where to go at least. All right, let's move on to the New York Jets. And the Los Angeles Rams, Pat, a ludicrous spread of 17. The Rams are favored in this game, a total of just 43 and a half, despite that 17 and a half point spread. Um, all aboard with the Rams, Pat? Yeah, I mean, I'm all aboard. I mean, not that it's going to be a unique opinion, but Cam Akers, I feel maybe almost too all aboard where I have him as – it feels like a stunt saying it out loud. I don't want to say it out loud. <laughs> uh, it's honestly not a stunt. I ranked him as the RB3 this week. And, wow. I mean, the guy got 32 touches last week. He, had, he didn't just, like, take control of the backfield. He, like, eliminated all competition. You out-touched Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown 32-2. to two. Out-snapped the number two back, Daryl Henderson, 50-7. to seven. In a game where it's a 17 and a half point spread, I mean, clearly Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown are going to mix in for touches at some point this week. But again, on the theme of collapse defenses, I mean, the Jets defense like might as well not even be on the field at this point. And it's, it's extremely difficult to envision Cam Akers not getting at least 20 carries. And if you get 20 carries against the New York Jets, I mean, big things are going to happen. So uh, maybe it's too hasty, maybe it's too point chasey, but after that uh, that two-week takeover of the Rams' backfield, like, seeing into this matchup, I just could not pass it up. That's just it, though. It has been two weeks. It hasn't just been one game. He has 50 of the team's last 58 running back carries and all 11 of their touches inside the 10-yard line the past two games. So it seems like they have passed the torch to him. Having said that, I know uh, I've seen Hayden tweet about Jared Goff, so I'll pass it along to him because it's also a terrific spot for the Rams' passing game as well. Yeah, the Jets, I mean, you can run on them as well, but I mean, they're the worst pass defense in the league. And if you look at teams playing against the Jets, they have the second highest neutral pass rate, which means that offenses are choosing to pass the ball rather than run the ball when the game's like close against the Jets. So I do think with the Jets or the Rams projected for 30 and a half points, I think there is a path that Jared Goff could put up like top 15 numbers. Robert Woods is a, I mean, he's a star and same thing with Cooper Cup. I mean, even though the point spread is massive, I still do think that the Rams passing offense is, is in even a better spot than Cam Akers. I mean, everyone's going to get theirs in this game, but right. I, I don't want to discount the Rams passing game just because the point spread's so big. Isn't it just who get the who gets the touchdowns? Like, is it Jared Goff plunging on the one-yard line like we've seen him before? Is it Cam Akers or Malcolm Brown or whoever inside the five-yard line? Is it Tyler Higby, Jared Everett, whoever in the red zone touches? Like, because we know that the Jets are going to keep it competitive. Like, we know they're not going to be able to match them. So, I don't know, those five touchdowns that they score, if two of them go to one player, I mean, we, it, it's up to that variance, right? Just, just who finds the end zone. Because we're only going to have a certain amount of points, obviously, needed to score this game in order for the Rams to win it. The good news is I, th- I think it's still only four players here. It's Goff, Cup, Woods, and Akers, and that's about it, unless they throw a wrench into everything. Otherwise, though, the Rams are four players. It's what they've been the past two weeks, and that's all we need to worry about. And they're 17-point they're home favorites. Like They're yeah. getting there. And there's no reason to talk about anyone in the Jets, so let's move on. Uh, the 12-1 and Kansas City Chiefs are on the road against the New Orleans Saints. What a game this is. The Saints are 10-3. and three. The Chiefs on the road, three-point favorites. A total of 51 and a half. Hmm, okay. Other than Hayden, 
Patrick Mahomes, who is your most confident play in this game on either side? I mean, Travis Kelsey. Uh, I mean, yeah, Travis Kelsey's on pace for like okay. record breaking numbers. Uh, he's like on that like 2013 Gronk uh, level. I mean, yeah, outside of that, I mean, Tyreek Hill, I'm not, I'm not worried about any of these plays on the Chiefs side. I, I don't think that the, I mean, the Saints defense is really good, like really, really good. Um, but I don't, I don't fully trust Marshawn Lattimore to stop Tyreek Hill if they, if they opt to go that route. So, I, mean, I think even all the way down, I'll say it again to Dan and Sammy Watkins and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I'd I'd even start them in like twelve team leagues. Patrick, go ahead, Daigle. Sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna say I'm curious to know. I'm curious to see what Sean Payton's going to do because the Saints have played man defense at the highest rate in the league. And what do you think is going to happen if you play man defense on turf against Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill? They're going to absolutely scorch you every single time. So uh, with this t- number. I believe it's still three, three and a half. It's a bad number, by the way. Uh, I do wonder like, if, if Vegas suggests that they're going to somehow scheme the Chiefs correctly and play them different because the Chiefs are getting there. Right. That, that's my question is, I mean, how often are we going to get the Chiefs in just a three-point spread, right? Like take- that, that feels a little too good to be true, doesn't it, Daigle? Oh, yeah. That's why you Daigle- take it on Monday. Dangle, is Vegas assuming Drew Brees is playing with this number, or is it the other way around, or does Vegas just not care and they're viewing Drew Brees and Taysom Hill as like equivalents? I mean, it opened at two and a half, like, and that was that was really bad. When uh, when when Brees got hurt, this was the game I like circled on the calendar. I was like, all right, this is when they're trying to get Brees back in the lineup. Like, this is a, an important game for both of these teams. And I, I would think they're going to try to get him out there, whether he's healthy or not. And the people I trust don't think Breeze is going to play. Schefter doesn't think he's going to play. Well, Nick John, hold on. Because your favorite reporter reported Wednesday that he wasn't going to play. Then he reported Thursday that he might play. Uh, so Friday, I don't know, what, don't know what we're going to get. So that does seem to be a wild card. Not Hayden, as Hayden was saying, it wasn't just like intuition that this made sense for Drew Breeze to return. Like this is what they were reporting all along where he wanted to return. Uh, for very obvious reasons. And I mean, I don't think the Saints have a chance if Drew Brees does not play in this game because, as you know, the Saints' bad matchup for Patrick, Patrick Mahomes is to the point where he's a worse matchup for any defense than any defense, you know, could be for him. So there's really no such thing as a bad matchup for Patrick Mahomes. And Taysom Hill has still not had a game really where he had to throw from the opening whistle. They fell behind 17 nothing in the first half last week, but they didn't really have to go into pass happy mode right off the bat. Like they're going to have to do that right off the bat to even stay competitive this week with the chiefs. And I see no way the chiefs do not cover if Drew Brees does not start easily. Taysom Hill, just, you know, match patch Mahomes throw for throw out there. Good luck to you (laughs) on Sunday, sir. Um, Okay. But here's my question, Pat. If we love all of the pieces on the chiefs all the way down, as Hayden Wink says to Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, who was very good in the receiving game last week and might be using that same way this week. How many of the Saints do we love? Pat, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara? Does it stop there? Probably. It's weird, though, because what we have to remember is that last week was like the first game where the Saints like even had to dabble with playing like a real game with Taysom Hill because it was two Falcons games and Kendall Hinton. And last week, it was the first week, I'm assuming, they had any sort of first-half deficit whatsoever. And when they finally had to play a real game, like actually throw the ball in the second half, I mean, Alvin Kamara got 10 targets after it combined for like six, the first Taysom Hill starts. And Michael Thomas caught eight passes for the third time and four Taysom Hill starts. So I think at the very least, I, I, even Alvin Kamara, I think, 
even though it's three games of no targets versus one game with a lot of targets, I think the targets are going to be there for Alvin Kamara against the have to be. He's developing some kind of a connection with Emmanuel Sanders. He keeps underthrowing him on deep balls, but Emmanuel Sanders is so good at adjusting. He's coming back and getting a lot of them. But yeah, I don't feel, I mean, Jared Cook back to back weeks of the touchdown at, you know, the horror show of a position, but I don't think we, yeah, we can fully trust anyone other than Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara. Take this for wherever you want. Maybe it means nothing, but I do know last week, my old roommate got intel that the Saints would feature Alvin Kamara. And I have been told the same thing that they're going to be looking to feed Alvin Kamara in this game. So again, take it whatever you want. Evan Silva getting intel seems like a dangerous thing. I, mean, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know, I, I don't know if the world is ready for Evan Silva with intel. So. I don't want to burn a source. I have a few guesses to a source, though, uh, and it would maybe be a good source. Um, yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Well, maybe that same source didn't. Uh, anyways, we'll move to answer on. Your, to answer your question, though, that's it for me, honestly. Um, Michael Thomas, 33% target share from Taysom Hill, and it gets cut in half, 15%, when you go down to Emmanuel Sanders. Pretty much Thomas, Kamara, Taysom Hill. And I still think Taysom Hill's a top 10 play in this game. Um, it could get out of hand, but that means he's going to have the ball in his hands more, and we know he has the rushing upside. Also, like, he wasn't that bad last week. He nearly got to 300 yards when they asked him to throw. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. No, just like 17 fumbles this year. That's it. All right. Yeah, but he does. Let's go to Sunday night football on the lovely network of NBC sports. Uh, nine and four Cleveland Browns go to the New York giants. This game was flexed back when we thought the giants were good. Uh, four and a half points. The Browns are favored by on the road, which Seems a little questionable to me. Maybe we'll get some insight here from you all as well. A total of forty-four. Hayden, we saw. Um, we know what the we know what the Browns are, right? And if Baker Mayfield can get time in the pocket, and even against the Ravens, I will say I think he took a step forward. And tell me if you disagree. Like they were able to get him off his spot. They were able to disrupt and get him out out of his flow. And you know, on those handful of passes, he made some really good plays. Um, the Giants have been up and down a little bit and what they're able to do. But again, if they have a strength, it's stopping the run. And we know Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are pivotal pieces for the Browns to function well. Yeah, I mean, for Baker Mayfield, he, he might be playing a little bit better, but he's still not a good bet for fantasy this week. The Browns are projected for like 27 and a half points. That's like about 14th of the week. And we know that they're going to go through the, the running backs first and foremost. So he's like still like around like quarterback 20, 22, um, even if he's made some slight improvements over the last month or two. And yeah, we, we know it's just, it's Jarvis Landry, maybe Rashard Higgins, and then the two running backs and that's it for the Browns. Hmm. Baker, I mean, what Baker Mayfield's giving me a little bit of like rankings consternation recently. Cause I keep ranking him as like, not even like a QB two, uh, and he's finished as the QB three overall back-to-back weeks. So kind of like a little, I still haven't ranked as like the QB 23 or 24 this week. Yeah. It just, it still has to be the running game for the Browns and the giants, no matter who's under center, if it's P shooter, Colt McCoy, or if it's can't move Daniel Jones, they're not going to be able to sustain offense. So even if they kind of wrap up the Browns rushing attack in the first half, there's just no way the Browns right. backfield can get its numbers in this game. So I think fading Baker Mayfield is again, the correct play. But uh, he's been putting up some numbers lately. Yeah, Daniel, because the reason I brought up that spread, again, a four and a half, is because the Browns have their identity. And I would say the Giants' identity, as Pat just mentioned, maybe it's Colt McCoy, which is just very limiting for that offense, or it's Daniel Jones, where part of what, if Daniel Jones has some magic, it's that uncertainty that he brings the table of 
hey, the blinders are up. Let me throw deep downfield, which could work against this Browns depleted secondary. But it's also the mobility that he brings and extending plays or creating with his legs and injured. That is not going to be a factor in this game at all. In Colt McCoy's lone start this year, he averaged 4.7 yards per attempt, despite the fact they won that game. So the spread, I don't think, represents the fact that, one, Colt McCoy under center, because pretty sure Daniel Jones isn't going to be able to go because he suffered a second injury, although we were lied to initially to start the week from Joe Judge. Uh, OC Jason Garrett out with a positive COVID test. So we get a revenge game, I guess. With Freddie Kitchens calling plays here. And then also James Bradbury rolled out for this game. He just got slapped on the COVID list. Uh, so it's it's not shaping up and trending well for the Giants right now. Uh, we're in week 15. Baker's not fooling me. Patrick's correct. I don't know why I called you Patrick. But QB 22 overall for me as well. Uh, you know, let's get to the playoffs and let's see what happens. But two games and game of the year, the 2020 version of of Rams Chiefs that one time. But yeah, yeah uh, you're not tricking me in week 15. Okay. I got to launch up John because I, I had a spiel about that on Twitter the other day. Like that was the perfect 2020 version of that it was Rams amazing. Chiefs Because it was, you know, high flying, but it had enough like 2020 weirdness in it where it put I a mean, unique 20. Lamar, style. like WWE coming off the toilet and like picking up a fourth down for a touchdown. Like it was great. It was so much fun. Yeah. And Trace <laughs> McSorley sacrificing his knee. <laughs> To get uh, Lamar back in the game. That's that's yeah. leadership right there. So yeah. he's got a future in this league. MJ had his flu game. Lamar had his poo game. I mean, that's that's exactly what it was. All right. Joke. That was a good joke. Okay. It doesn't matter yeah, age. That joke would be both good from joke. poisoned pizzas because Michael Jordan's insane claim <laughs> that a Utah pizzeria poisoned his pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Let's close out with just an atrocious contest. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers you didn't even try. and the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, what is this game? Uh, the Steelers are 11 and two. Now they don't have a buy as it is right now in the first round of the playoffs. Hayden Winks, they are 12 and a half point favorites here on the road with a total of 40 and a half. I misspoke. I assumed that a 41 and a half total was the lowest. This one is of the week. Hayden, I feel like no team in the NFL needs that buy more then the Pittsburgh Steelers, and this should be a smash spot, but can we trust Ben Roethlisberger enough in his current state and his current arm for this to be a smash spot? There's this like weird dynamic with Big Ben where his like leg seems to be hurting, and then he doesn't have the arm strength. I mean, he's old and he's coming off of surgery to like make up for not being able to step into his passes. And then, I mean, don't get me started on Deontay Johnson dropping all the balls, and it's just. They're, they're just stuck, and I, I don't think that there's going to be a, a quick solution. I mean, the Bengals' defense is like a one-week solution, so um, go ahead and start these guys. But I, I had to drop Deontay Johnson down just because he there is a risk of him getting benched. Chase Claypool like kind of was benched for who knows what reason for, for James Washington last week. And then Juju's ceiling is just so low just because he's only getting targets within like five yards of the line of scrimmage, and the running game's a mess. I mean, it's – that that Steelers offense that, that was like really clicking like six weeks ago, like that that offense just isn't there right now. We're going to truly test the limits of Pittsburgh playing to their competition on Monday night <laughs> because Ryan Finley on one side, who has nine completions, seven sacks, and two picks on 19 attempts this year versus the Steelers defense. And now on the opposite side of the ball, 
38-year-old Ben off surgery who leads the league in pass attempts because they just can't run the ball. They don't care to run the ball. They're not even trying. And so I think we're still going to get these three wideouts peppered with James Washington mixing in for whomever leads and drops. Uh, OC Randy Fickner came out and said that they still believe in Deontay Johnson. Um, that's why they put him back in in the second half. And so I think he will get the start here as a top 24 wide receiver. Does he stay in the game because he has two drops in the first quarter? I don't know, but it looks like you can at least confidently start him and hope for the best. Yeah, Deontay is like, I feel like going to be like the question we get the most, like in our chats and our live show Sundays, we kind of like what to do with them because the volume has been so consistent. I haven't currently ranked as the wide receiver 20 and, I, I think you keep the faith because, I mean, the benching lasted, what, two quarters against the Bills? And when, when he came back, it was basically like they got like right back on the wagon. They just like couldn't not target him. He just immediately started targeting him again over and over. And for whatever reason, they view him as like the linchpin of this passing attack. And I have no idea why Chase Claypool is the, the guy who's getting bent. I mean, maybe it's because he, he's hurting Deontay Johnson's confidence by like looking so good or something like that. <laughs> It's very weird why Chase has been the guy to get sent to the bench and not Deontay. And I don't know where like the Chase Claypool manufactured touches went. Like all the explosion from this offense has just it's evaporated. As an offensive coordinator, as a play caller, it, it's your job to create them, no matter what the status of the quarterback's arm is. And we've seen Chase Claypool all the way back during his Notre Dame days take you know these crossing routes that Juju gets peppered with and take them for long gains because he's just a supreme being. Um, these need to happen. And at the running back position, they're not going to get any explosive plays out of James Conner and Benny Snell and any of that. So, I mean, again, no team needs that bye week more. And right now, look, they close after this game with the Colts and the Browns. Easily the Steelers could finish the season 12 and four. Yeah. That's, yeah. No, I was going to say, they got, they got shut we all want to say something? Uh, John, they, you go first. They got shoved into that awkward bye week in week four due to Tennessee's COVID outbreak. So it's not even fair to them. And there's if there's one team, like you said, Josh, I totally agree. Like, this is the team that needs a bye more than anyone. Even, like, when Deontay got put on the field last week, Josh Allen was already marching up and down the field with ease. It was practically garbage time when he came back out there. They need some rest immediately. I was going to say with James Conner, he faced the Bengals earlier this year and had a terrible game. One of the only people to have a bad game against the Bengals. And we think the Bengals will help maybe like get Ben going a little bit, but over his past four games, a span that included the Jaguars, he's averaging under five and a half yards per attempt. So it's just like this thing is going off the rails. Let's close it there. I don't think we need to talk about any. Do we need to talk about the Bengals, Pat? I mean, it seems like you wanted to. Yeah. So the, the last thing is on, on Twitter, I, I posted a poll Who's fastest out of this group? Big Ben, Benny Snell, oh. James Conner, or Rotopat? And Rotopat got like seventy percent I mean, of the answers, and that's how that's how I would have voted too. Three out of four softball teammates will attest that I'm kind of fast for a thirty-four year old. So I mean, I don't know what more evidence you need. Hey, only only one of those four people currently claims they could run under uh, a five-second forty-yard dash. No, no, no. I moved it up to a five-two, and I spent a, I had a lot of time to think about this. It's probably too high. <laughs> probably too high. I mean, there, there have been many days, many memories of the Rotor Road Slack chat. That was one of them. And Pat, you know, seeing you dig your heels in in that situation when we all know the truth, I mean, that was incredible. I tried to I suppress that getting out. I will, I will say I am kind of fast for a 34-year-old, but I don't know what that translates to in a 40-yard dash estimate. I would, I would take you over Big Ben straight up. 
I got a ticket of speed. I cannot sear to my memory forever is Juju Smith-Schuster just getting blown away by Taron Johnson last week. Like, that was really depressing to see Juju looking like a tight end. Um, uh, to finish on a Bengals note really quick, drop Joe Mixon. Don't let Zach Taylor fool you like last year, thinking Joe Mixon's coming back this year. He's done. Yeah, he is done. And so are we. We're done here. We'll be back on Sunday for Rudder World Live, served by Applebee's. Again, that's noon Eastern. We know it's the semifinals for you. We know it's an important week. So join us. We'll be answering your start-set questions, setting your optimal lineups. That's on Twitch, Periscope, YouTube, all those places. Again, that is at noon Eastern on Sunday. All right. Again, we'll also be back with the game-by-game recap show in your feeds on Monday morning. Go and check out Pat's rankings. Go and check out Building Blocks, which is tomorrow on Friday with Hayden and Daigle and Pat's Twitch stream as well, which is at two o'clock on Friday as well. All right, Daigle, Hayden, Pat, Josh, talk to y'all soon. Up the villa. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.